Welcome to Thrive Deeper, the show based on the Thrive Bible Reading Guides. This is an ongoing conversation about God's Word with Thrive author, Dr. Matthew Jacoby. You've come equipped with the, um, the copy of Thrive. I have. You know, I, I always forget what I even write in that. And I, because, of course, we work, we work a little bit of That's ahead right. with, the, with the writing of it. And, yeah, and yeah. someone will say, oh, I loved uh, what you wrote today. And, 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 and which like is very encouraging. Ago, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was actually like four months ago. So, <laughs> so I've got to, I've got to, uh, can you just remind me uh, of what that is? But I actually really, uh, you know, I'm really always really grateful for the encouragement, get lots of encouragements. Yeah. Thanks to those yeah. that uh, express that because um, uh, the, th- the Thrive d- Daily Reading Guide, I mean, it's very close to my heart. I, I, I have had a really great time writing that. It's it's almost. I feel in many ways it's like there's a lot of study involved in that, and and um, as I of course want to help people reading through that. But for me, the short format it helps me as well because mm. it, gra- it it grabs what's the main thing here, and sometimes in all the details you, you need to be reminded what is actually the main thing here, yeah. and and so for me I I really love that because I, I often come away from writing it really quite impacted as i've had to whittle because of the short here. form yeah, yeah as i because of the short format i've had to What's whittle it down nugget? to really the nugget here and yeah. um <laughs> and i've really come away quite impacted by that at yeah, some point great. so it's a great great process well, we get yeah. lots of such positive feedback as you know matt from people <clears throat> all around the world actually mm. who who access thrive uh, the reading mm. guide and it's so great to be able to uh Supplement that as well with the Thrive yeah. Deeper podcast, yeah. and so we're up yeah. to episode 141. Is this where I correct all my mistakes? Uh, yeah, this is where we kind of bring clarity to those <laughs> kind of right. somewhat ambiguous statements that yeah. we find in Thrive. But anyway, yeah, uh, so yeah, good. episode 141, we're yeah. continuing the Book of Romans, and yeah. last time we got up to uh, Romans chapter eight, and about halfway through that, man, up yeah. to verse 17, I think yeah. we finished. So we'll pick it up here at um, verse 18 of chapter eight, and we'll work our way to the end of mm-hmm. that chapter, yep. and and really. This is a, a focus on what a new life would look like based on the promises of God, isn't it? That's where yeah. we're going now. Yeah, that's right. So um, the thing with chapter 8 is that he, having really emphasized the fact that, you know, it's not, we don't, we don't live by the law. He, he wants to show what living by the Spirit looks like. And they're not antithetical to each other. Then it's not like they contradict each other. It's actually really important that they don't. No, that's right. In, in, in the sense that we don't live in contradiction to the law. Um, but, you know, the illustration that I've used is the law is like the rumble strips on yeah. the side of the road. It's not the road. And, uh, you know, nor is it the vehicle that sort of carries us along the road. So uh, we're called to live by the Spirit, which actually, you know, at, at the start of the chapter, he says that in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us. That's right. We do not live according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. And uh, he says back in in chapter seven, you know, that we don't live in the old way of the written code, but in the new way of the spirit. And it's not that the written code is obsolete, obsolete in no. the sense that, you know, I mean, uh, when, you know, we had a rule, uh, you know, growing up, we had a rule thing, you know, up on the fridge, brush your teeth, yeah. uh, you know, uh, make sure you, uh, whatever, you know, mm. it's like, yep. don't eat to, you know, it's, we had all these rules around, you know, how many biscuits you could have or, you know, brush your teeth or make sure you, um, well, I mean, as an adult now, 
you know, you'd, yeah. you'd hope that you do, you just appreciate actually uh, having clean teeth and 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 keeping your room. Oh, that was the other one, tidy your room, and yeah. you know, well, as as an adult, you those things become part of who you yeah. are. You appreciate yeah. those things yeah. uh, for themselves. So the rules aren't aren't wrong. No, that's right. They're just the need for the rules and the role of the rules, uh, you know, you kind of transcend that because you've internalized yes. the spirit of the rules. In a very literal sense, mm-hmm. we interpret the spirit of the law. And the rules yeah. weren't there. God didn't put the rules there just to kind of find some way of tripping <clears throat> us up. They were there because they were going to be what was best yeah. for us. Yeah. And the spirit enables us to live in the freedom yeah. of even when we fall short of those yeah. rules, God is still accepts yeah. us. And I think, I mean, <clears throat> the, the rules set the boundaries, but they don't really... There's so much beyond just not pu- crossing certain rules. boundaries. Exactly. And the other thing about this, Stu, too, is that uh, the problem that one of the biggest problems with living by rules is that life is it's just too complex. That mm. there are situations where you, where you are whatever whatever you're going to do. You know, it's those classic moral, moral dilemma situations. You know, uh, it's like. Wherever I go here, there's a large amount of compromise, and where, where the original compl- you know situation is so complex uh, that finding a rule for every yeah. it's, you're just not going to find a rule for that, and so um, you know so that uh, so it comes back to principle. It comes yeah, back to those to the principles and the and, and the sense of us. okay, what is the most loving thing to do? Yeah, you know? It's exactly. like that sense of wisdom that the spirit gives because it's not just what's the rule, mm. but um, what is the wisest way forward here? Mm. Or, and, and most importantly, in a sense, you're asking the question, not what is the rule, but God, what do you want me to be yeah. in this situation? Yeah. And that's bigger, isn't it? Because the Holy Spirit empowers us to be a certain sort of presence mm. in a certain situation. If we're going to be involved in life, which God wants us to be very involved, I mean, you look at what that meant for Jesus. It meant going into situations that people say, hey, that's your crossing lines. Yeah, you're right. compromised. You're going to the parties of prostitutes and corrupt yeah. officials. You can imagine yeah. how that looked, yeah, absolutely. you know, in, in, in the first century in a Jewish context. And so, but, you know, Jesus wasn't, he wasn't thinking rules. He was thinking his mandate. Mm. God, what is it that you, what is it that I need to be in, in the, and he was quite literally God in yeah. the midst yeah, uh, and and representing the grace of God in the midst of people, so that's why living by the Spirit is is so important because it's not just about we're a group of people that just don't do this and we don't do that, and and um, we've got to move beyond moralism, yeah, and we've got to move from you know beyond moralism to mission, yeah, and mission requires getting involved in the layers of complexity of life and asking the question, God. Yeah. What do you want to do in this situation? And what do you want me to be? And what are God's purposes? I mean, the whole second half here of Romans chapter 8 really is based on the three things, the promises of God, <clears throat> the purposes of God, and then obviously as we get to the end of it, the protection yeah. of God. You know, yeah, that's, that's right. So as, you know, from verse 31, uh, he he moves into our present situation yes. and yeah. um, because from sort of chapter 5 onwards, you've got this sense, uh, this theme of... Uh, the the future is now in a sense mm. that we've mm-hmm. got this for, you know where we have the verdict now yes. in Jesus you can do you can do your business with the judge now and find grace and and the verdict for 
for that future day of judgment that is coming about, this sense that you can know the verdict now, yep. you know, so yep. that he starts the chapter, there is now no condemnation with yes. those who are in Christ Jesus. Yes. So there's something about the future now, and a big part of that is the presence of the Spirit. Mm. Um, so one of the key things about the, the future uh, expectation throughout the Old Testament and into the New Testament is this sense of God dwelling amongst his people, you know, mm. where actually with the Spirit, we, we do actually have that now, but it's not in a heavenly earth like, yes. uh, like is depicted in uh, um, Revelation 21 and 22. It's actually in the mess yes. of now. Yes. And so it's what does that a, look like? It's a bit of a down payment in some yeah, ways, yeah. isn't it, really, in a sense, as, in terms of what the future yeah. will be. But but this is not our home. And, yeah, that's right. And we live in the, as you say, in the mess of the world that it is right now. Yeah. And, and, and so does what does that look like? Yeah. You know, and, and I think this is where he goes from verse 31. Uh, what shall we, uh, sorry, in, sorry, verse, not verse 31, verse 18, 18 I should yep. say. Um, he says, I consider that our pre- present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. So you note the, that strong future orientation. Yeah. Uh, and this is where he, and this, he does this at, um, at, at regular points here. Classic Jewish thinker. He's thinking out to the bigger story. So it's not just, this isn't just abstract theology. From, when people think about Romans, they think of, yeah, well, it's, it's theology. Yeah, yeah. And, but actually it's narrative. There's mm. a, he's constantly pointing back to the big story, mm. like in the second half of chapter five, yeah. where he goes back to Adam, as in yes. Adam all, you know, referring back to the story. Yeah. Well, here mm. he is uh, talking about creation and fall, you know, for the creation waits in eager expectation mm. for the children of God to be revealed. Um, for the creation, and that's about the coming of Christ, when, when there will be that final revelation of who really, um, to the world, because yes. we can know now, yes. but it will be finally revealed to the world, the children of God, who they are. Yeah. Um, and then from verse 20, he says, For the creation was subject to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected in hope that creation itself will be liberated from bondage to decay mm. and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. So there's this big picture here where we see a world that is plunged into this state of chaos, chaos yeah. really, and, yeah. and, and decay. And um, th- there's a sense that human beings as those who are put in charge in the world. Um, the, the, the way that I've illustrated this is describing human beings, you know, in biological systems and people that you talk about ecosystems, talk about keystone species. Yes. Keystone yep. species is that species. If you take them out, the whole thing collapses. just collapses. Yeah. Um, and in using that kind of imagery in a sense to the order, the perfectly fine-tuned order of the world, human beings were the keystone yeah. species. And the caretaker. I mean, we were, and that, that, we were in the that sense, yeah, That's exactly right. right. Yeah. So when, when we fell, yeah. uh, there was a sense of the, the keystone species falls and doesn't do what it's meant to do. And yeah. so um, so the whole thing is broken. goes chaotic yeah. and goes yeah. broken. Of course, yeah. there's a lot of talk about I mean, never have we been more conscious of exactly what Paul is talking about than, you know, in our time where we face the environmental, you know, the, the issues, environmental yeah. issues that we're yeah. facing, yeah. which is, you know, hard on the heels of, of thousands of years of just, hum- I mean, it's really ramped up since the Industrial Revolution. 
but the exploitation of uh, of nature and the amassing of yes uh, of the produce of nature. It's just you know you, it's actually very true to life, and yes. in in some ways. Um, you think, wow, this is the first century. Mm-hmm. This is the mm-hmm. sort of thing you'd be talking about today. Today, you know, exactly. Uh, because th- we're, we're seeing this now m- more than ever with the even, you know, change in the, uh, the the way that global warming is even changing the atmosphere. And it's really mess. you know, it's this sense of, oh, wow, we really have messed yep. things up way yep. more than we even thought. Yeah. And this so, whole concept of the whole of nature, the <clears throat> whole of creation yeah. groaning. For yeah. us right now, yeah. we can you know that's a great word to use as we yeah. look at all these natural disasters. Yeah, around that's right. The world, it's so. interesting because um, th- th- there's a strange kind of reaction against the sort of environmental, uh, you know, the the idea of global warming, the whole environmental concern, um, because it's been very politicized. You know, I think a lot of Christians have, have reacted ag- not. Maybe a lot, but mm-hmm. uh, a big section of you know the Christian church, mainly within evangelicalism, sort of reacted against that mm. a little bit. Um, but from a theological point of view, it's undeniable mm. that that if there's something wrong with the world, well, well, I mean, we should expect there is something wrong yeah. with the world, yeah, with ex- the natural world, exactly, and and it is our fault, and we can expect that it is cumulatively our yeah. fault. Yes, um, that. We should actually expect um, that uh, we will have a cumulatively negative impact uh, on our environment. So, you know, so the what has been, you know, we can just push solutions yes. to the side. As I say, a lot of, um, you know, uh, a lot of mainstream thought and, and particularly the pessimistic kind of stuff that's pessimism about. You know the nature of the civilization that we're built, and the way that's, you know, and its relationship to the natural world. And mm. um, I fundamentally agree with the critique, not necessarily with the solutions. Solution. Always, you that's know, right. it's yeah. like, uh, but but the the actual critique, the sense of diagnosis, like, wow, there is something systemically and and fundamentally wrong mm. uh, with the human race. We should, as Christians, that's. A conversation that we should welcome. Yes. You know, w- yeah. w- we should be saying, "Amen." That's exact. In fact, that's exactly what the Bible, uh, what the Bible talks about. And this is why, you know, why has this happened? Because human beings have fallen out with yeah. God yeah. ultimately, and we haven't stepped up to our mandate given to yeah, us. That's right. to look yeah. after the planet. Yeah, that's right. And so, so the environmental concern is absolutely. It's a very is very much a Christian, mm. uh, very much a biblical mm. uh, concern, mm. and so yeah, we live. Uh, you know, we live in a, in a time where we see. You know, we see a lot of this sort of stuff ramped up. But then Paul goes on and talks about us as believers. You know, mm. groaning as well. Uh, and and I, yeah. you know, reading that, I wonder, do we? <laughs> you know, does does the modern yeah. church do we as Christians today living in the world? Have we yeah. actually forgotten? You know that we're living in the midst of chaos, perhaps a, yeah. a broken world, and have we have we got too used to it being like that? And I know you've talked before about how we use the anesthetics of the world to kind of yeah. perhaps smother that yeah. groaning. But you know, we do because we have very powerful anesthetics yeah. in our culture, and I mean we we live in a um, culture that's been described as fulfillment oriented. It's it's mm. all about you know finding your fulfillment. And of course, we can afford that because. We're an incredibly affluent culture. Yes. Um, we, we've had a very long period of peace as well to develop that uh, affluence. It looks very precarious at the mm, moment. Mm. Uh, but um, so 
that comes with a high level of entitlement. You know, I've, I'm entitled to certain um, luxuries, certain luxuries. You know, mm. and, and if I lose those uh, luxuries, you know, I, I, I complain and kick and scream. And because you know, there's a sense that you know I, I should be able to fulfil my desire. These are my desires, and I should be able to fulfil them. Yes. And a lot of our society is built. On that, you know, and so mm. when as Christians we suggest that no, maybe actually there's some things that need to be put aside or denied, particularly perhaps for the sake of purpose. Yes, um, people are very indignant about that idea, mm. and I think for for Christians we need to be reminded of our worldview that actually we live in the age, biblically speaking, in the big scheme of things. This is a, this is the age of unfulfillment. Yes. It, it, look, I mean, there is fulfillment in the terms of God is fulfilling His promises, but the final fulfillment, the new heavens and the new earth, you know, the, the resurrected bodies, the final fulfillment of our desires, in, mm. in a sense, and even our full potential, is actually on the other side of this age. Yes. Um, so we've got to remember that because yeah. you know a lot of Christians feel like, you know, God has to heal me now. Yes. Uh, well, yes, God will heal you, but it may not be in this life. You know, um, there, in so many respects, like people struggle with, you know, but what if I don't find the perfect partner? Yeah. Or what if I can't have kids? Or what if I can't? And, and it seems because we're, you know, we're wired to expect that we need to find fulfillment of all mm-hmm. our desires now. And, and, and if I don't, you know, it's a disaster um, and, and it is difficult, actually. Mm-hmm. It is mm-hmm. difficult. But this is mm-hmm. the groaning that Paul throughout his letters is always pointing out this sense that this life is a breath and it's a very old That's testament right. you know yeah. is you know psalm 90 and teach me a lord the you know mm. the measure of my days and mm. so forth um and so, you know psalm 103 you know man is like a breath his days are fleeting like a shadow Solomon and, you yeah know, at the end of ecclesiastes, ecclesiastes you know exactly. um so and he's constantly trying to get that across. Yeah. Um, that this is a breath right now, and life is mission, right? So yeah. you, so it's it's actually not about the fulfilment of all your desires. That's happens the next life. This is so countercultural. Yes, but, it is. but absolutely, it's really important to remember. It's like, yeah. oh, what you mean? I'm not going to have this, and I'm not going to have that. Yeah. And should, this I, isn't the end. Yeah, you know, <laughs> exactly. you know, am I not going to achieve all of my dreams? Yeah. No, yeah. no, not, not this is. You know, this is a war zone. Yes. You know, this is a battle zone, this this particular age. And, you know, it, it, we're not going to be ultimately fulfilled, no. you know, in this age because that is something that awaits in the mm. next age. This life is about mission and it's about purpose. Mm. The, the you know, illustration that I've used in the accompanying uh, podcast in um, Perspectives. Thrive Perspectives, mm. uh, which has been in, in, in abeyance for a little while, hasn't yeah. We're going to pick Kicking it up. Kicking off in yeah. April. We're going to kick it off again in April, yeah. so stay tuned for that. Uh, for Thrive Perspectives. But the illustration that I've used there when we talked about worldview, and this is really a worldview matter, is in a sense, you know, as we come into this world, it's like we've been dropped out of a helicopter into a war zone and the general says, right, I'm dropping you off here uh, and I'm going to pick you up over on that other hill. You've got a few days, you know, and, you know, I mean, we've... Here's what I need you to achieve. Here's what, you know, just go. It's like, don't, you know... You're not meant to like it. Yes, <laughs> yes. It's like, this world is not our yeah. home, as Paul as Paul alludes to in this letter, but also Peter, particularly in one Peter one, yeah. where he says, "As aliens, you know, as temporary residents." Yeah, kind yeah, of that's thing, right. This kind of whole recognition. This is not. This is not, and it's not that our it's not that our home is somewhere else. No, that's right. Uh, it's 
we're not at home in this world system. Yes. You know, because of yep. course, uh, God is going to purge the earth and, and there's, there's going to be a sense of recreation and, and we will live uh, mm. forever in, mm. in a new heavenly earth and so forth. But right now, uh, I mean, we're, we're told in John, John the Apostle tells us in his letter, do not love the world. Yes, that's like, right. You're not meant to like it the way that it is. Yes. God doesn't like it the way that it is. The world system mm. is not. You know, it's it's a fundamentally a, a broken system, if not in rebellion against God. Uh, we're not meant to be comfortable. We're not meant to like. We should do whatever we can to have a positive impact uh, on this system for the sake of people. Mm. Um, but the system, you know, system implodes in the end. I mean, look at the book of Revelation. Yeah. Uh, you know, and so um, if you find yourself... Um, dissatisfied with the way that things are, if, if there are things that happen in your life that uh, make you groan, well, maybe, uh, you know, maybe this is an opportunity to be reminded of our worldview. Yeah. That we live in, this is a war zone. We're not meant to like it. We're certainly not meant to, you know, get too comfortable here. And in fact, I would probably go the other way and say, if there aren't things yeah. in your life or in the world that you see that yeah. make you groan, yeah. Then I guess we've got to ask ourselves the question: Have we remembered yeah. this is not yeah. our home? And, and 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 as Paul says here, you know, we need to have a hope for our future inheritance. Yeah. You don't hope in what you already have. Yeah, that's so if right. you feel yeah. like you've already got everything yeah. here, well, you're not going to be hoping for that. And so yeah. I think this is the real challenge to us today, particularly in the modern world. Really, is that we can feel quite comfortable, you know, yeah. and yeah. and we don't. We see these things on the news, <clears> and yeah, it's a bit disconcerting, but it's often thought about from how it might impact me as opposed to just groaning for the pain yeah. and the suffering that's happening in that yeah. particular situation where it is at that time. So. And that's, of course, where, where he goes here. He talks about hope. Yeah. And, and this is why this is important, Stu, because he says, by this hope, you are saved. Mm. Right? Now, I think in, in, the, in the relative comfort, and, and, I, and I realize that we're never fully exempt from... Trials. You know, from the trials of life and because it's a crack system and we're broken people living in a broken world and, and we do experience I mean, sometimes when we experience these things we have a tendency to say, How could this happen to me? Yeah. Or why but, me? But yeah. actually, you know, we, we should actually be saying something more like, Why should I be exempt yeah. from the from the trials common mm. uh to humankind? Um, because we're not exempt, and sometimes reality blows through the windows of our little mansion, like luxurious mansion in, mm. in this country, and and it's, that happens regularly. Yeah, yeah. And we're reminded, oh no, actually, this is really messed up. Mm. It's interesting, isn't it? And not to make too heavy a point on this, but often when you hear stories from people who have survived a particular disaster yeah. or something, and others haven't, they almost feel a sense of yeah. why did I survive? Yeah. You know, what I feel almost guilty that I got through yeah. this. And it's like it's the flip of what. Yeah. Most of us feel it's like we're complaining about why it does happen to yeah. us, but you go through a, a challenge, like a significant challenge like that, and yeah. it does flip your whole thinking around the right way. And it's yeah. like, well, why should I? Because, it, you know, I mean, he, you know, Paul says here that this groaning, which really is hope, hope mm. to um, definition of hope really is, um, it is the longing for what faith knows is going to happen. It's the longing for that. Yeah. Uh, it's not like, oh, gee, I hope this is going to happen. It's it's a f it's the longing for something that is coming, and you know it's coming. Yeah. The thing is, if you know, in in a sense, if you get 
just too comfortable. You lose that sense of that long. You lose that hope. Yeah. And you lose perspective. You might develop a sense of entitlement. And, and this is, and I think this easily happens. This, I've seen people, Christians losing their faith because they were praying for some, something or some terrible thing happened. And it's like God didn't, God didn't heal this person or, 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 or this disaster happened. And, and, and how could this happen to us? You know, um, yep. but this is, this is reality. We, it's, it's messed up this here and we're mortal and, and, yep. and, and we get diseases and we die and I love it's, it's so, um, we should be thankful for the times when we are exempt and, and, yes. and, and if we are exempt, it's so that we can fulfill a purpose. Mm-hmm. And one thing that we can be assured of though, in the midst of this is that God's purpose will be the, what the purpose that God has for us in this life, will not be whether that life is yep. long or short, that yep. that will be realized. Yeah. And, um, and that, you know, that's our hope and our hope ultimately is in what God is bringing about such a strong future orientation mm. in the New Testament. And and I think it's really good to get back to that, you know, yes. to, for us to f- find ways to get back to that because we're so now oriented. I've got to have this now. I've got to, you know, find fulfillment now. And there we can have amazing joy. But let's remember what we've learned yes. in the book of Romans. Our joy is in the taste that we have now of what is then. Yes. That's our joy. Yes. We rejoice Paul says, in the hope of the glory of God, he says in um, Romans chapter 5. Yeah. So this hope that makes us look to the future is actually also the source of our joy. Yes. Because we know that we will get through this storm. You know, we will get through this storm mm. because God has us. Mm. And that's, in a sense, our joy. It's the security that knows that no matter what happens to me, my loved one, no matter what happens, God has got this. Yes. And, and we know where it goes. And as we long for that, we're reminded, there's a sense of security in that. That's where our joy, that's where our, uh, our sense of security and peace comes from that's in the right. present. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. In the meantime, of course, verse 26, yeah. in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. So this is the sense of the future that we have now. Um, he talks about the Spirit helping us to pray, interestingly. We yes. do not know uh, what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. He who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. Hmm. That's, <laughs> it's <laughs> mysterious. It is a mysterious. What? <laughs> and it, and it, you know, it raises the opportunity maybe just to quickly define the Trinity because it's like, well, if God knows and he is the spirit yeah. and it, why do we need to pray he already not what does the holy spirit yeah. need to intercede for us if god already is the holy spirit you know it's it's, it's actually really beautiful and and yeah. i th- i think it's important not to get so lost in in the logical paradoxes here yeah. yeah but i love the way this depicts there's almost this sense in god as trinity where he is constantly drawing us into this divine community. Mm. Jesus comes to draw us into unite us with the Father. The Spirit, in a sense, sweeps us up into this um, communication within the Godhead. You know, there's there's this sense of communication. Uh, loving relationship is or is contained within the Godhead. And and we're we're drawn into the intimacy of that relationship, yeah. and so 
the Holy Spirit joins with our spirit and in a sense buoys us up mm. and uh, and I guess expresses because this is the things to we don't really know the the depths no, of our right. own need. You that's might right. think you know what you need, yeah. but you actually are way more needy than that. Mm. And in fact words can't even express mm. the depths of your need. Yeah. And so so the Holy Spirit um plums the depths of our being and like scoops up in the very depths of our being and lifts our deepest desires and longings up into towards the throne room of God and mm. brings that into this divine conversation. It's yeah. very mysterious, but yeah. it's beautiful in yeah. a sense. So so by the Holy Spirit we become caught up in this sense of divine community, which is a very heavenly thing. Yeah. This is the point here. Yeah. It, you know, this kind of heavenly um unity that we have with God that we might expect, you know, when we die and go to heaven in the intermediate state and then ultimately when we live in a new heavenly earth, the the, the unity with God that mm. we have mm. then there's a sense in which we have that now yeah. by the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And we can enjoy that now. Yeah, that's great. But that of course only amplifies the anticipation. Because the more you taste something, the hungrier you get. That's right. The more you want for it. that thing. That's right. And so in a sense, the more our hearts are warmed by the Holy Spirit, the more we feel the coldness of this world. Mm. And and so we groan inwardly. Um, this is the, the, the result of the infilling of God's Spirit. Um, there is joy as we rejoice in the hope. We, we have this taste of heavenly joys. But paradoxically, there's, it also amplifies the groaning. Yes. Um, so there's both of these things. We and, and look, in a sense, God grieves over the state of the world, and we join in that grieving right. with God. Yeah, absolutely. By His Holy Spirit, in yeah. that sense. Yeah. So it's That's really right. profound yeah, stuff. Um, he goes on in verse twenty-eight, talking about paradoxes, Stu. Mm-hmm. We <laughs> While we're on the yeah, on yeah. the subject of paradoxes, Let's move on. <laughs> uh, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to his purpose. So in the amazing, this is, he jumps up to that classic Jewish perspective on the sovereignty of God over everything. So every, the things that happen are just bad. Yes. It's like in one sense, it's not the way that God wants it to be. No. Um, and yet God is sovereignly working out his perfect will through the very things that he uh, laments in a sense, yes, and 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 grieves over. So those the word things there, it's it's interesting because you can read it as a subject or an object in a sense. Are the things? Uh, is it that all things have been purposed by God to work together? Yeah. Or is it that God causes all things, even yeah. things that He would rather didn't happen, but He can yeah. cause those things to work together yeah. for good? It's it's and very it's, much the latter because yes, exactly. Um, <clears throat> Because, of course, the strong biblical perspective is that this a whole lot of things have happened as a result of human choices and the messing up of the created order. Yeah. There's a chaos there yeah. that is not the way that God wants it to be. That's right. Which is really validating when you've, when you've been through terrible experiences. And, and um, you know, the classic example is bereavement. I mean, at the, mm. at the loss, at the death of Lazarus. Mm. Shortest verse in the Bible says Jesus wept like mm. the grief of that. This is not death is is this terrible separation, mm. the wrenching of of that of that connection of love. It's a te- it's a terrible yeah. and and God, 
you know, in Jesus Christ, wept over that. And yet, God, Jesus says then, this is actually, God has allowed this to happen so yeah. that his glory might be yeah. manifest. Yeah. And, and so, this is what you see in all things God works for the good. Yeah. But it's a fine line not to say, oh, I just need to put up with this suffering or this pain or, or that, that yeah. loss, that must be Or I've got God's to accept it. Yeah, I've got to accept will, it because exactly. somehow it's good. Yeah. No, no. No, exactly. It's, it's, it's God just will use bad. It. Yeah. It's, it's bad, but God will but use But God it. will, you know, God will do something That's right. in, that, yeah. you know, in that experience. And That's that, look, has been the testimony of I mean, Christians throughout the ages. Mm. Um, and then, so he says that, and then in verse 29, just in case that wasn't paradoxical enough, um, he says, for those God foreknew, he also predestined Mm. to be conformed to the image of his son so that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. The bigger point that Paul is making here, because remember, there's this idea of the verdict is now. We don't have to wait yes. in, in, trem, in in this kind of... In fear and tremble. Uh, yeah, yep. in, well, we there fear was, the Lord in a yes. sense, but not, not in the doubting, for, oh, will I make it in the yes. end? No, Paul has been at pains to say, no, you can know your verdict now. Yep. Um, the question that follows that is, yeah, but I've got a whole life to go through. Mm. Like, Will I make it to the end? Yes, I have the verdict now, but I've got a whole lot of life to go through. Yes. And the point here is, no, God finishes what God starts. Started. If God has gotten hold of your life, he will finish. He will um, follow that through um, through to completion. Mm. So God's got this. God is sovereign yep. uh, over uh, all of this. That's good. The... The mind twister there, of mm. course, Stu, is this idea of predestination. Mm. Um, well, I find predestination easier to help to, to, because mm. if you break that down, it's just God already knows the, where we're going to go, the destination he has yeah. for those. Yeah. So it's the foreknowledge. You know, if God knew, it's it's that challenge, really, the, the foreknowledge aspect of it. Because the predestination is like, well, I know something's going to happen, and I've determined that if they take that option, they're going here. That's predestiny, yeah. predestination. That's the destination. Yeah, but even that's to everything that you said there is way too logical. Yeah, okay. So you've just you've just said a whole lot of things that is because, you know, you, you're dealing in space and time yep. there. If yep. this, then that, yep, causality. Sure. God is outside of space and time. Yes. Now, this is where our minds struggle because uh, struggle, mm. we are we cannot think, but within the categories of space and time. But God's outside of that, mm. so you have to. So straight away, because uh, a lot of the sort of theoretical problems that the idea of predestination causes for people is, well, if God predestines us to salvation, mm. then. I guess it's not really our choice. I don't have a it? choice, exactly. No, but yeah. clearly, actually, you do. It's very clear in Scripture that we are empowered with this ability to self-determine, in a sense. Mm. Like we, our choices really, really matter. Mm. That's how much responsibility we have. Mm. That's very clear uh, throughout the Bible, and yet, over, and yet, alongside that, in a kind, from a sort of eternal perspective, God is sovereign. Mm. And and in some sense, God predestines things um, in a way that we actually can never really understand. Mm. So, what we the way best way to deal with this is to ask the question: Then why are we told this? Why does He bother us with this um, with this mind twister? It's it's not so that oh hey I predestined so it doesn't matter what your decisions are. 
No, it's so that we feel absolutely secure. So that it's what Paul is sowing into here is a sense of security. Right. That God's got this, right? He wants to say God love God knew you. This is where he starts. Uh, for those God foreknew, mm-hmm. he predestined. Now, this isn't God knew that you were going to do that. No. So he therefore, yes. you know, yep. uh, um, so therefore he responded in this way. Well, th- that contradicts everything else Paul says mm. about, uh, you know, he says even faith uh, in, in, um, yes. in uh, Ephesians chapter 2. Yeah. Um, he says, you know, we're, we're saved uh, we're saved by grace through faith, and even that's a gift of God. It's not mm. of yourselves. Mm. So um, Paul is always at pains to, for us to see that, no, no, we didn't, we didn't earn our salvation, not even through our, you know, our choice. We received it from God. Uh, it's a gift. Yes. It's a gift from God. Um, and so I, I know it, it makes it a little bit more um, rational, perhaps, to say, well, God knew that we were going to receive Jesus. And so he predestined us because he knew that we were going to receive Jesus. That makes sense. Mm. But to me, that's a warning. So that's a yep. that's a rule. A deal breaker, in a yeah. sense, for that view. It's like, ah, oh, yeah, that's too logical. Yeah, right. Like, um, because on the one hand, um, it doesn't fit with a whole lot of other things yes. that are said uh, about this theme. Um, and also the fact that for, whenever f- talks about foreknowledge in this sense, God foreknew, uh, this idea of knowledge isn't he knew that. Mm. It's a very, very intimate, intimate personal it's like Adam knowledge. like Adam Eve. Yeah. In a sense, so God... Or- Yep. So the point here, and this is the point of why Paul says this, because you've got to always ask, why is he saying this? Yeah, He wants us to know that there was never a time when God didn't love you. Think about that. Yeah. There was never a time when God didn't love you. It, before you were born, you know, this is, again, a very um, Jewish idea. You know, you, you created, you knit me together in my mother's womb. I'm fearfully, you know, this sense of some... 139 picks up on this theme. You knew me then. You knew me, right? And you loved me mm. even then, even before uh, I was uh, I was created. So Paul wants us to find security in this. Like God has got you. He's always had you. Yeah. So you That's are complete in the midst of the chaos of this age. You, it's important to know that. Yep. That none of this is outside of God's, God's. sovereignty. Yep. Um, it's a mess. Yep. It's an absolute mess. But We're God's not meant to like us. it. Yep. But God's got this and he's got you. Mm. And I think it's important because so so much of the objections to this idea have focused on, you know, the the sort of logical paradox. Oh, but if that if it, if that's the case, then that means this. It's if that, then that. But see, that's us using our space-time logic. Yeah. And and that's the that's the problem. Uh, this is outsider. This is outsider. This yeah. is you, you. You and in fact, it's interesting because in chapter nine to eleven, he's then going to go. Well, what about God's people, Israel? Yeah. You know, I yeah. mean, uh, what about has he rejected them? And and it's a resounding no. Mm. Um, but he, you know, he says some even more paradoxical things about, you know, about predestination and, and so forth. We'll get to that. Which will, yeah, yeah, we'll get to that. Um, but um, at the end of uh, chapter 11, you know, he finishes that whole, as he moves into that paradox, he ends with, not with, 
oh yeah, this is really complex stuff, and isn't you know isn't it terrible how how perplex you know how how vexing you know to our mind? No, no, he celebrates it. Yeah, he says, oh the depths of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable his judgments, his paths beyond tracing. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Mm. He anticipates all of the paradoxes uh, in this chapter, but yeah. he celebrates it yeah. because we're dealing with God here. And this is way beyond our space-time logic. Mm. It's beautiful. Let's move on to 31 mm. through to the 39, yeah. where he talks about the love of God and how nothing yeah. nothing can separate us. And, That's right, which you know, flows straight on, Stu. I think this is a good exactly. place to finish because it flows straight on with what you know I've been saying. Yeah. Uh, he's just said the God who started working with you he will see that through to completion. God has always had you, mm. and he will. And and there is this sense that he that he he now wants to say so. Nothing will separate you. God's got His hand. Nothing will separate you uh, from is that, is that the nothing? love of God. Is that nothing? That's nothing. Absolutely. Not even me. Not um, even, not even me. I you know, in in a sense, um, uh, in a sense. That's right because um, because we we don't trust in ourselves to make it through to the end. That's right. Mm. Yep. Like if it's up to me, I won't make it through to the end. No, me it's either. like I mean, even even as I look back on on the last thirty five or what it's I've been saying thirty five years before. <laughs> since you were thirty six. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, um, that's right. Uh, you know, I mean, I became a Christian when I was about sort of seventeen, and um, mm. you know. I have seen God keep me on this path. It is yeah. the sovereignty of God yeah, at so work in my life. Now, I've responded to that and I've said, God, and, and I've prayed, God, just do whatever it takes to keep me on that path. And God mm. has done that. Mm. And so, you know, I can I can stand here in faith today only, and I can only give credit to God. Of course, I we have to respond to God, and when we fall away, and we fall, there's an imperative to, you know, to come back. And it's interesting because you go to the book of Hebrews, and the book of Hebrews said, if you fall away, you'll be lost. Mm. You know, mm. and so here's the paradox. So what people do is they say, well, is it that or this? Yeah, it's both together. Yeah, yeah. and I know that they don't logically sit together, but th- there's, um, there's a. A massive emphasis on our responsibility in the book of Hebrews. You need to you get get back to Jesus. He yes. said, "You get yeah. back to Jesus because he's, you, there's no hope apart from Jesus. If you turn away from Jesus, you're yeah. lost." Right? Yeah. Um, and uh, and yet at the same time, we all turn away from Jesus. And if it wasn't for the sovereignty of God drawing us back, we would all stray irrevocably. You know. So. Um, there are both of these things. So there are decisions that we need to make, absolutely decisions we need to make, and our eternity depends on those decisions. Mm. And yet, at the same time, yeah. paradoxically, yeah. Um, the sovereignty of God is at work so that when we get to the end of our lives and we're still, uh, you know, we're found firm in faith, uh, it'll be all praise and glory to God. We will say then, it wasn't because of me. It's all. It will all praise and glory to God. And that's what Paul is always eager to show, that our boast is not in ourselves. It's not even the strength of our faith, as he says, even that's a gift of God. It'll be all glory, all power, all praise to God who gets us through to the end. Thanks for listening to this episode of Thrive Deeper. Our home on the internet is thrivetoday.tv. 
You can contact us, ask questions, see all our resources and much more at our website, thrivetoday.tv. We really appreciate the questions and thoughts about what you're reading as we go through the Bible with Thrive. Until next time, our prayer is that these shows will inspire you to go deeper and thrive. Thank you.